Hello, and welcome to another episode of Conversations at the Washington Library, a podcast about early American history and the people who teach it. I'm your host, Anthony King, and in this episode, I'll be sitting down with Access Services Librarian Samantha Snyder to discuss the research operations here at the Washington Library. If you are interested in finding out more information about how to come to the Washington Library to do personal research, not only will will we be talking about it during the episode, uh, but you will also have a link to uh, find out more about this information on our website at mountvernon.org slash podcast. And now, without further ado, I'm glad to introduce Samantha Snyder. <clears throat> Hi, Anthony. It's glad to have you here and uh, in your correct seat. Yes. You know, people can't see <laughs> what, we're, what our studio looks like here, but uh, when you do, uh, or when you have done mm-hmm. uh, episodes in the past for us, which we graciously thank you of for. Of course. Um, you know, we've gotten great feedback on your episodes, so they're you know, doing great. <laughs> uh, and we look forward to having you on future episodes yes, in the future. Definitely. To, um, to uh, when we when we need a host here and there, yes, you're doing a great job. So Thanks. we're looking forward to more of that. Uh, but you've claimed the interviewer's chair yes. as uh, as uh, as your host chair. As my host chair. <laughs> so when we were setting up here today, you're just like, "Can I claim my original spot?" I said, "Sure." That's normally where I, the interview exactly. is. Exactly. It's normally where you go, anyways. So so we're off to a good start yes. already. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so most people probably don't know already. I mean, they recognize your voice mm-hmm. probably from our bumpers intros and from the episodes that Couple you've episodes, uh, yeah. been on here. Uh-huh. But we haven't had you on to talk about your, your main role here at the library, which is access services, or when people come here to do research, mm-hmm. you're, you're the main person that they come to, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. So to start off here, let's find out how you got to this position. Sure. So can you explain exactly the steps that you took along the way to get the job that you have today? Sure. Um, so I am originally from Madison, Wisconsin. I went to University of Wisconsin for my uh, undergrad in English literature, and then I decided to continue on straight after undergrad to get my master's in library and information studies, from uh, also from University of Wisconsin. And I focused in grad school on um, archives and and historical libraries and that sort of thing. I, I worked a couple of positions there at the Wisconsin Historical Society, so shout out to mm. them, um, and the University of Wisconsin-Madison Archives. Um, so where I learned, I learned a lot about how archives work, but then I ended up actually doing my practicum, um, my second year of grad school, as a reference assistant at the Wisconsin Historical Society, and I fell in love with um, the public service aspect of libraries. So when I completed my my master's degree, I came out here to the D.C. area for an internship at the Library of Congress. Um, I was one of the junior fellows. I was in the recorded sound division, which I loved, and I still miss that <laughs> internship. Um and then after that, I worked at the United States Patent and Trademark Office as a reference librarian for 500 attorneys. Uh, so I've had a long wow. and weird road to get here. Uh, but then I, I decided I really wanted to continue in historical libraries and archives. So I pursued different jobs. I looked at the Library of Congress and the National Archives, but. When I was looking for jobs, I came across this position, and I thought, wow, what a cool position. It combines my love of history, my love of libraries, my love of helping people all into one great role, and so I applied. Um, I don't know if this 
will stay in the podcast, but I forgot to attach my cover letter to the application. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got the the email that I still had an interview scheduled, I thought, okay. And yeah, it still uh, worked out in the end. It still worked out in the end. So I've um, just celebrated my two-year anniversary on the 9th uh, of January. So I've been here two years, and I look forward to, to more. So that's, that's how I made it here. So basically what you're saying is the moral of the story for those people that are applying to jobs right now is just apply. Just apply. And, you know, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. Exactly. Even exactly. if you don't have all the required All the required. Exactly. And also apply to jobs that you might not necessarily expect you would want, like taking the patent office job helped lead me to this job, right. and, and you never know. So, And as a quick so. aside, I didn't know about the patent office, yeah. though, but all the lawyers. I you did. must have felt so at home at our uh, holiday trip to the Supreme Court Yes, library. I did. It made me think back on the, some of the things that they referenced. I was like, I remember that, and I remember that. And, uh, yeah, I it was a really interesting experience, and it, that position helped me grow a lot in my research skills, and I worked on a couple of fun cases involving different corporations. It was just very interesting. That was that was a fun place to work. Ah, very, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So most of our listeners probably don't... Are, we have a listener base all around the country here, mm-hmm. even around the world. Mm-hmm. Most of them probably have not seen what the Washington Library looks like or how, how to even get here because it's not attached to the main Mount Vernon estate at all. No. We are actually across the street in a gated area. Very gated. Our (laughs) research uh, that's done here is all by appointment only. Yes. Yes. Explain the process about how someone gets to to research here. Sure. Um, So what you do, it... It is a little unique. We we are across the street from the mansion and the and the whole Mount Vernon estate. We have a form that you fill out online, and that bumps to an email address. And either myself or there is a assistant librarian. We manage that email together. I am the main person that will see those emails. And say, of course, you can come in for an appointment, um, or here are some information, pieces of information that you can look at first and then decide whether or not you actually want to come in. Um, if it's anything that's related to rare materials, I forward that to Catherine Horn, our special collections librarian. Um, but then, really, I set you up on the calendar, and if you need more, information before you come, I'm happy to provide that. But then once you get here, you work with me and I'll direct you to certain materials. And if I have thought of things ahead of time, I'll, I'll give you those materials. And, and yeah, so that's really how that works. You know, you are basically in a lot of sense, the, the first contact that Mm -hmm. people have when they reach out to the library Mm -hmm. here, not only by the email address, but you're also manning the phone as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I imagine through your time here, you've gotten some pretty interesting uh, inquiries or phone calls uh, that, is, that have come up. Yes. <laughs> Are you inclined to share maybe an instance or two that has st- stood out to you? Sure. Um, one instance I can think of over the phone was actually a really sweet instance that happened that was a little weird, but but very sweet in the end. I, I was sitting at my desk, and it was later in the afternoon, and I got a call from somewhere in Texas, and I, I they hung up before I could say, hi, hello, welcome to the Washington Library, or hi, this is the Washington Library. Uh, and then they called back, and so I answered, and I hear this tiny little voice say, can I talk to 
President Washington. <laughs> and <laughs> I, it was too late in the day for me to have a really good comeback. And I just said, first I said, what? And they repeated themselves and laughed. And I could hear other kids in the background. And then I just said, well, he can't, he can't come to the phone right now. And then they all laughed and then they hung up. And my theory is that it was a group of kids who maybe had off of school or something, <laughs> and they were prank calling different presidential libraries asking for the president. I'll give those kids some credit. And I takes, love it. That yeah. takes a lot of it takes a lot of effort to, know, almost, to find yeah. out a presidential library. And I wanted to call them back and say, "Well done." <laughs> I'll give them that. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah. it's in terms of prank calling. That's very that inventive. A, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, it was a pretty niche prank call. I, I really liked it. It is, that. and it's and it, yeah. it's a fun, memorable story. Exactly. It's very exactly. not harmful at all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in the in the library realm that we live in today, and as especially as we move into the future here. We're getting more and more involved in digital content, digital resources, and less so into the print aspects, which is slowly becoming a thing of the past. As we move forward into the future, how do you envision your role changing as, as a librarian, and how, do you, how is Mount Vernon changing itself in order to meet these challenges? Sure. Um, my role as a librarian, I really now have a lot more work that I do online. We have so many amazing resources at Mount Vernon that 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 is one way that Mount Vernon has really met the needs of a library is we have things such as um, our content DM database, which is uh, the digital library, digital collections at the Washington Library, um, where we have scans of manuscripts online and we have transcripts of the manuscripts. Um, we have the digital encyclopedia page. So my my role is to interpret these digital resources less so than going into a book and pulling page seven and saying, okay, mm. here is that information. I now steward these websites and and combine links and and pieces of information and kind of make a whole big packet of information right. for the researcher that is mostly just websites now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that really answers. No, no, the, I think it's, yeah, yeah. And it's the way it's going to be in the future, too. Yeah. It's yeah. ever more digital content. Yeah, more and uh, more digital content. That people are going to be access, able to access from anywhere. Yes. So it makes yes. the fact that we have these resources yes. all available on one site, plus the rare items in our collection, yes. Yes. it makes this place more of a drive to come to for, yes. for people specifically in the field. Yes, and I should say, too, with the with having access to all of these digital resources, I would say that the questions that I get have become more in-depth and not harder to answer, but they take more time to answer because people have access to these digital resources and a lot of times will have done a lot of research on their own and want those facts that they can't find. And that's really fun for me because sometimes I can't find anything more than what they've found. But other right. times I do have, that's where the the print resources are still helpful because I can go into the print resources and say, oh, okay, I found that in this book that has, it hasn't been put online yet, that piece of information, but here you go. Or if they struggle with interpreting what the website is and and how that information works, I can explain it to them. Um, mm-hmm. But but I will say that's one thing I've noticed in the field is that the the reference questions and the research inquiries are not as simple as 
do you have information on X? It's more like, I read this one thing, and then I read this mm. other thing. Can you tell me what exactly this means or how this is right or, or wow. that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So the, game, the game is changing. The game is changing. <laughs> there's a lot of layers that go into it, and I love it. So keep sending me those hard questions. I imagine it keeps you on your toes. It, it does. It definitely does. It's made me learn. that I, I should say, too, I, I did not come into this job with a large knowledge of of specifically founding era history. I've always loved history. I've loved reading about history. I had picture books that talked about the presidents when I was a ah, kid. Yes. And um, one I specifically want to give a shout out to is Ghost of the White House. Mm. That was that everyone should check that out. Do we have it in our collection? We do because I asked <laughs> I asked that we buy it. <laughs> uh, so come here and read it. Um, but it because of the way the game is changing, I have learned so much because of that, and I've loved every moment of it. So that's good, yeah, good, good, yeah, good. Yeah. And one of the envious things that I I notice about your position that I'm like, oh, that's awesome, that's really cool. That I imagine all of our listeners would be really excited about is that you give tours of the library and specifically of our rare books, mm-hmm. rare books folk. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that process a little bit about giving the tours in that area? What are some of the highlights that you point out to people as you're sure, going through? Sure, sure. Um, my so so that is one major aspect of our library that's really unique that that I'd never done at past jobs. I've worked in some beautiful reading rooms, but normally it was just little simple questions that people would ask. Um, specifically, the Wisconsin Historical Society reading room. Just going to give a shout out <laughs> to that again. <laughs> uh, but but this tour process. Um, we have different leadership groups that come in. We have students that come in. We have all different types of people that come in for tours of the library. We don't we don't necessarily offer public tours because we are a working research library, and it can be a little jarring or disruptive for our staff to constantly have to get up and give a tour and sit down and get up and give a tour. Um, but when we do give tours, um, we give an overview of the library, but then we do, we take people into what we call our rare book suite. Um, and there are two and a half rooms, basically, and we, we show them where people do research with rare materials, and then we show people where we keep the manuscripts themselves. But then the main highlight, and this is always my favorite part, is showing people um, our collection of Washington's library. Mm. So the neat thing about that is is that when you go in the oval where it's kept. And I should say, too, there is a virtual tour that you can take you on can. our website. Yeah. So when you step inside that oval, you almost feel like you're stepping inside of Washington's mind. Right. Um, and that's something that's so unique and really powerful. To you, you think about the fact that Washington was a person, and he learned and he failed just like all of us. Um, and, and that's just always really fun to me, to show people what he was reading, to show people what he was interested in. Um, and and to see some of his interests match my interests or totally mm. not match my interests to to um, to just to just show that he was a human being and I feel like books are a good way to show that it is it um, is yeah, yeah I think it shows the, the variety of interests that he had definitely that's, definitely uh, you know people like to. Define Jefferson as a Renaissance yes, man. I like yes. to think of Washington more so. Me too. Being Me a, a, too. mostly a self-learned man, exactly, and taking the initiative and being that person to to learn more about subjects that he was not aware of. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's one thing that I always point out to people when we go in there because so many people think of Washington as just the president of the United States and this big, just 
kind of figurehead, but but right. I mean, he owned so many books about gardening and agriculture and history books, and he had a lot of military theory books. I mean, surveying, he owned just about every single thing you could imagine. And he had two two sets of encyclopedias, which I think is interesting too. So so he really was a a, a very learned man. And he liked to explore fancy, too, with Don Quixote. He did, <laughs> yep. And he was a fan of theater. And he theater, had a few yeah. plays. He used to go see a lot of plays when he was in Philadelphia and New York. Um, so he backed that up with reading those plays. <laughs> see, definitely a well, well-rounded individual. Mm-hmm. Because you're so in tune with our collection, mm-hmm. you have to have a favorite item. Oh, of course. Of course. I have a favorite item. Can I say my favorite item in, in, in my collection, which is the secondary sources and anything? What I oversee... By all means, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I won't even explain. So, I, so in my collection, my favorite item is a book that I believe is called The Story of Mount Vernon, and it's by a woman named Minnie... Kendall? I could be getting this totally wrong. Maybe I should look this up. So um, is it really your favorite? Is it really my favorite if I don't know? Uh, but it is a book that is was published, I believe, in the early 1930s, and we have six copies of it. And one of the copies has a long letter written on the inside um, that this woman is giving this book to her friend, and she says... I really want you to have this book. I have to tell you, I ran into the author on the steamer that I took to Mm. Mount Vernon. I made her sign this for me. So here it is. It's a great book. And the woman made a couple of notations throughout the book, just kind of giving some of her thoughts. And then there's also, and I don't know if this was put in there by the woman who gave the book to her friend or if her friend who received the book put this in there herself, but... There is an envelope full of postcards in the back, yeah. all of Mount Vernon postcards, which is that really, is really cool. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's just the fun type of stuff that you come across. And I came across that one day shortly after I started when I was just kind of walking through our stacks, figuring out what exactly I was about to take on. <laughs> and I, what are you I, now in charge yeah, of? Yeah, what am I now in charge of? And, and I found that and I thought, wow. And there's a few other things, but that's my favorite in, in that collection. And then my favorite... Um, pieces in the in the rare collection um, are two two things there, and uh, I, if I can explain both. Sure, yeah. Um, my favorite thing is actually a set of things. We have um, Nellie's Nellie Park Custis's uh, music books, and we also have one of Patsy Custis, who was Martha's daughter, one of her music books, and they are. Amazing. They were bound together, so it's different music books within the books. But Nellie's, they're they're such, they're just such cool pieces. There's there's a couple that have handwritten music um, wow. that either is was handwritten by Nellie herself or by a teacher. Um, there's lyrics written out. There's little doodles and things. And um, there's a there's a silhouette that was drawn that was ripped. That clearly whoever drew it was not happy with their work. Um, there's a couple of pages that have big scribbles where Nellie or whoever was writing out the music and they wrote, a mistake. And it's just those those music books to me are such an example of how all of these people were once alive. Like these, these right. were real people, real true people, not just names on paper. Um, and that's 
such an important thing to remember. Um, working here is, is is that, and so those are that's one of my favorites. And then the other, of course, <laughs> is a letter written by. Um, George Washington's very good friend, Elizabeth Powell. Mm. Um, <laughs> who I think you know a little bit who about. Who I know a little bit about. Uh, and the letter was written in November of 1792. Washington was just about finished up with his first term as president. And in the letter, Elizabeth references a conversation that either the two of them must have had or there was a conversation in a larger group. Um, but Washington had expressed his his feelings about whether or not he should run for president again. Mm. And Elizabeth writes this eight-page letter explaining all of the reasons why Washington should run for president and why the country is not finished with him, why if he left, it would, it would make the country fall apart. She goes into detail about some of his his um, self-conscious his 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 self-doubt and she she tries to politely give him tips on on why he needs to not worry about his self-doubt she tells him that he's not ready to retire to his um, rural pursuits mm. she just goes into a lot of detail and it's just a fascinating letter because not only is it written by a woman but it it just it's it's a side of Washington even though it's not written by Washington, it's a side of Washington that we don't get to see very often. The thought of him as a as a person and and having his own fears and that sort of thing and and yeah, it really humanizes this almost mythical creature. It does. Ethos. It does. It humanizes. It humanizes him. And and I have a love of Elizabeth Powell. I think she's a fascinating woman. And and this letter just really just like, brings it home. Brings it home. Yeah. 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 Just, just some examples of the vast primary and secondary resources that we have definitely here on site, which definitely. is why you have to come here exactly in order to to, to see and uh, you know read these documents yourself. Exactly, there's nothing like holding a nice primary source document or just you know depending on if you can hold it. Or not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you can if you can hold it, you know sometimes yeah. conditions wise you can't actually touch. physically hold it. Exactly, but, and and I will say if you're interested in reading. That letter from Elizabeth Powell to George Washington that is on our digital library, as well as many, many other letters. Um, so, so you don't, if you can't get here, if you are listening from Hawaii, if you want to read more letters, you can go on our digital library website. And, and we do have listeners from Hawaii, so hopefully excellent. they do. Excellent. I have not been to your state yet, and I want to go. <laughs> it's very beautiful. I can confirm that. Um, so we're getting towards the end here, okay. Sam. And... A fun fact I kind of want to conclude with here uh, regarding your operations here at the library is that our listeners may not know, but, you know, they probably don't know that you're actually behind our Instagram account for the Washington Library. So if you follow us on Instagram, Sam helps to curate the the posts that will be going up. I do. If you hear, or if if you hear, if you read any post that says, our moderator did this. I am said moderator. (laughs) Like, I just put up a post about Ann Pamela Cunningham on the 17th that I had been in South Carolina on vacation. So I put up a post because Ann Pamela is from South Carolina. So so that that is all me. (laughs) A nice tie-in. Yes. So do you... Do you have a favorite post that you've done in the past, something you're very excited about or something that stands out, one that had a lot of likes or uh, interactions? 
I do have a favorite post that I put up. I have several, and actually I just had to go through my phone to decide which one was my favorite. Uh, And I think that my favorite that you all should take a look at is from September 30th, 2017, so you'll have to scroll back quite a bit. But I found, again, when I was just kind of walking through our collection and going through the stacks and pulling random things off the shelf, I found a wonderful set of photographs from a 1929 article in National Geographic, and they're actually autochromes, and they are they are in color. They're very early color photographs, and they're they're of two or three women and men that were hired to model at Mount Vernon, and it's just them walking through the garden, sitting by the mansion. Um, but they're they're beautiful. They're so dreamy, and and I just love them. And it's just another example of what you can find in in the in the library collections. And that's what I love about the Instagram is that when we find these things, we put them up for the world Mm -hmm. to see. Uh, And I think the other one is the tiny book. I have put up a couple pictures of our smallest books. Um, There's one from (laughs) November 14th, 2017. That's Tiny Tuesday. And it's one of our tiniest books. And it's a valedictory address of Washington presented to the Mount Vernon Association by George W. Childs. Not quite sure much more about it's provenance, but it is very tiny and cute. <laughs> it serves the purpose well. It serves the purpose well, exactly. Well, exactly. fantastic, Sam. Um, so, and again, make sure you follow our Instagram account. Yes, please. First, so please do so. We'll always like to share neat things that we get in our collection. Yes, exactly. And we've done in the past some podcast promotions through, have. through the Instagram account. So make sure you follow. And then if we ever do something like that in the future, which I'm hoping we can. Oh, yeah. We get books every now and then mm-hmm. to, to promote. Mm-hmm. Don't, ta- don't say what the prize is. Exactly. I, I, don't, I, don't, I never do. Never do. We always, always put these teasers out there to make sure that people continue yes. to, to follow and yes. subscribe and rate and review our podcasts and do all that, yes. all that good stuff. Um, but yes, stay tuned. Hopefully we can do more of that stuff in the future because it's very fun to do. And we like to interact with, with our guests, our, our listeners too. Definitely. Um, so, so thank you, Sam, very much for coming on the show to us, with us today. Yep. This uh, was so much fun. a lot of fun. I'm glad I we got to be in, this, in that it. seat for once yes. or the same seat, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> and uh, just a different role. Role yes, change slightly. Exactly. Role exactly. change slightly. But uh, exactly. I think we will, we teased this a little bit. Early on, earlier on with Elizabeth Willing Powell stuff, but yes. you actually have done uh, some extensive research on yes. on her and even have even presented yes I have uh, about her. So we will definitely have you on in a future episode to talk about that research. But we wanted to introduce you formally Perfect. and what you do to, to uh, at here at the library uh, to our listener base beforehand. So I think definitely. we've done a great job laying the groundwork and the foundation, so mm-hmm. we can have you on certainly on future episodes, both as host and as interviewer. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Anthony. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations at the Washington Library. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.